Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Women's running, running, running. Hi, my name is Lindsay Cortez. I am a runner, a mother, a wife, a business owner, a sports dietitian, and entrepreneur. And in this episode, we are featuring Lindsay's story. Welcome to Women's Running Stories. I am Sheree Louise Turner. I am your host and producer. And behind me, the music that you hear is created by Cormac O'Regan. He does all the original music and scoring for the show. And yeah, Happy New Year. Welcome back. Welcome to 2023. We wanted to run Lindsay's episode as the first episode of the year because her story, it's a little bit different. We feature her as a runner But a lot of what Lindsay focuses on in her story is nutrition and body image. And some of that has to do with the fact that she is an entrepreneur. She is the founder and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where she works as a dietitian to help female athletes overcome disordered eating and perform the very best that they can. And because it's the new year and it's a time where we're doing a lot of resetting and people like to make resolutions... And because a lot of those resolutions and resets often tend to focus on body composition and what we're eating and how we're fueling ourselves, I really thought Lindsay's story would be a great one because her story is just so grounding and healthy, like really, truly healthy. I really resonate with the way she approaches fueling the body and also processing our own feelings about how we feel about our own body and how we look. So as you might imagine, Lindsay doesn't just bring her education and professional experiences as a dietitian to her practice. She also has her own experiences with challenges around eating and body image and nourishing herself. And while, as you'll hear, she's never been diagnosed with disordered eating, she's certainly gone through a lot of challenges that at least I can resonate with. They feel, unfortunately, very common. And so I think a lot of you will resonate with the things that she has to say. Of course, if this is a topic that you're really sensitive to, just be mindful. She does talk about body image. She does talk about some dieting. She does talk about not feeling comfortable in her own skin. So if those things really upset you, then maybe this isn't the episode for you. But like I said, her message is it's so empowering. I've listened to her story many, many times through the production and just sitting with it and reviewing it. I do that a lot with all of these stories when I'm making them. And her words have just really sunk in, and I find them to be very valuable. A lot of what she says and what she's gone through are similar to my own experiences And even at 53, I'm still grappling with some of this stuff, but much, much less than I used to. And I am so much more comfortable in my own skin than really I've ever been in my whole life. 
So if nothing else, this is just a great reminder to stay in that space and not fall back on old bad habits. Um, I know I have some, and Lindsay talks about some of her own. So this is just a great reminder to stay in the present, stay healthy in your mind and body, and appreciate your body for all the awesome things that it can do, and set yourself up for a great year of running. So speaking of what's coming in the new year, I wanted to share some of my own running goals that I'm looking forward to. So I've been back on the track doing some 800 running. I'm really enjoying that once again, and I'm looking forward to an upcoming 5K. And I will share here that I have this sort of back of my mind super goal of over the next few years, breaking 20 minutes in the 5K. I'm just putting it out there. I don't know how realistic it is. I came really, really close a long time ago, but maybe I can do it in my 50s. So it's something I'm going to explore, not right away, but it's out there and I'm hoping to eke ever closer to it over the next couple of years. In the meantime, though, I'm also running the Boston Marathon, which does not get me any closer to that 5K speed. And part of the reason I'm doing that, of course, is that I qualified and I got in and I'm living in Boston. And so what a better way to celebrate running than doing the Boston Marathon when you're actually in Boston. It's really a wonderful time here. So I'm really looking forward to that to training with all of my tracksmith friends and my Somerville road running friends and my park run friends here and all the other people that I get to enjoy miles with here in the Boston area. And then I am headed back to Comrades. I had so much fun last year. It was such an incredibly rewarding experience. I just can't not go back. So even though my forte is not running these super, super long miles, I'm going to head back and run those 56 hilly miles in South Africa in June, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be joining Kathy Hopkins, who we've had on the podcast before, so if you want to hear her story, you can go back and listen to her episode. I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll also link to my story about Comrades, and that was an interview I did with my friend Elizabeth Emery. She is the host of Hear Her Sports, which is Another great podcast that features women athletes, so go over and have a listen to her show as well. Yeah, so that's what's coming up in the next six months or so for me, and during that time too, I'm going to be moving back to Ireland. I'm really excited. I've really missed living there, and while I have had a great time living here in Boston, I'm really looking forward to being back in Ireland and rejoining my running friends there and just being in Ireland. So some big changes, but one through line is running. Another through line is this podcast. We've got a lot of great episodes coming up for you, so please stay tuned. And for now, let's move on to Lindsay's story, which she tells all in her own voice. Now, here's Lindsay. I am one of three daughters in my family, and I do have a younger brother, but he's eight years younger than me. So for a while, my dad had three little girls, and he put us all in sports because, you know, that's how he, that's what he knew to do with little girls was put them in sports, you know? And so I just grew up being very active, and I definitely was kind of the most competitive and wanting to prove myself. And it's something that 
my father and I definitely shared. You know, he was my soccer coach and it was just something that we had in common as far as kind of being athletes and doing sports. I started gymnastics at seven years old and that was actually my main sport. Gymnastics is also a sport where by age 12, you know whether or not you're gonna make it to the Olympics. So I did know by age 12, like I'm probably not, but I knew that I could maybe do this in college or I had a high school gymnastics team. So that was like my main sport. It was my passion, my love. That carried me through high school. I did do high school gymnastics, which isn't, not every high school has gymnastics. And so I was lucky that mine did. And, um, you know, I am fortunate that my gymnastics experiences were positive as it relates to nutrition, body image, because there are many in that sport that get a lot of negative experiences um, between you know, the nature of the sport with being judged and aesthetics kind of being part of it and just um, the culture around the sport of gymnastics can be really, really tough on your body, your image, being in the leotards. I didn't have that experience. However, I will say it's just kind of like was in the nature of the sport where you were you were a little self-conscious, um, you know, wearing my leotard, being up on, on the floor, on the balance beam, being watched, you know, body w- image was somewhat on my mind for sure. Um, And then as far as nutrition goes, when I was in high school, it was mostly a a really healthy relationship with food in the sense that I I did love food. And also I saw its impact on my performance, maybe maybe in a weird way, but like you don't want to eat the wrong thing before you go tumble. Like I ate the same thing on meat day because I was like, this is what works. This is what energizes me and I can get through the meat and like no questions asked. So I was kind of like meticulous about it. In hindsight, I also started picking up some really bad behaviors in high school. I just at that time, like didn't think it was bad behaviors. You know, my mom is somebody who definitely has been through her fair share of diets and feeling pressured by the world of, you know, going on a diet or losing weight. And so like, when I was in high school, like I went to a Weight Watchers meeting with her because I was being supportive of her. And, but then, like, that put ideas in my head that, like, I should be counting my calories and um, I should be watching what I eat. And it was all under this disguise of, like, being healthy and also, like, caring about my sport. But it was actually things that at that time, although it was under this disguise of being healthy, it it started to implant some bad habits, um, like I mentioned, of like calorie counting or or even thinking I needed to lose weight when I didn't. I started like tracking what I was eating and kind of making a plan for food. You know, if I felt like, oh, I think I ate too much today, like let me, you know, make a plan for what I'm going to eat tomorrow. And I had those thoughts in my head at, you know, as young as 15, As gymnastics is also like a speed, power, strength sport, I also joined the track team in high school and was good at the speed events. The sprints, I did uh, 400, 200, 300 hurdles is what it was in high school, although in college it was the 400 hurdles. I also dabbled in pole vault. And then I had a a rather career-ending surgery that was outside of my control senior year. I had an ovarian tumor that had to be removed. So I was uh, ended my career with gymnastics 
senior year of high school. But as I recovered from that surgery and was trying to figure out where to go for college and getting back into running seemed the most realistic. And I was able to go to the University of Massachusetts Amherst, where it's where I wanted to go and study nutrition. And I was able to join the women's track and field team there where I continued to do the sprint events, 400 hurdles and pole vault, as well as sometimes like the relays and things like that. And so I did that for all four years of college. As an athlete, you are so disciplined and a lot of these things around food is is your disciplined nature, right? And you doing whatever it'll take for you to be competitive, for you to have the advantage, for you to succeed. And that's why it is so often disguised as something healthy. And it actually really wasn't affecting me negatively until college. In college, I constantly was putting myself on a diet because, you know, I was studying nutrition. And so I was like, you should know how to do this. Put yourself on a diet. And um, I think I was constantly just a little bit underfueled. You know, I wasn't, maybe I wasn't completely like eating like a bird or anything like that. But like, I was asking a lot of my body physically and mentally, but like physically demanding a lot. And I wasn't eating enough for that. It kind of continued where I always had that mindset of like, you should probably lose five pounds. You should probably lose five pounds. And then I was putting that mental pressure on myself of why aren't you losing weight or, you know, you got to do better tomorrow um, or feeling guilty. If I did, you know, have the midnight pizza or the cupcake because we were at a party and then I would just feel so guilty about myself or feel like, well, now I need to run extra tomorrow. Like those feelings started to really get a lot worse in college where it was impacting me mentally. I still did not necessarily have any huge red flags physically. You know, some of the red flags we talk about when it comes to like disordered eating or eating disorders would be like injuries, like stress fractures or a lack of period. Well, I didn't have stress fractures. I I had little micro injuries, but it's hard to really nail that down to nutrition. I was on birth control, so I don't know about my period. That's a big question mark, you know? So maybe I didn't have those big red flags, but it was mentally and socially affecting me quite a bit. From there, well, it started with recognizing that this is an unhealthy relationship with food, that this is something that actually is impacting me and hurting me. The The truth of it is there were lots of ups and downs along my journey. Post-college, I was rather broken and injured. Like I just, you know, all those just, you know, beating your body up for so long. You know, I had at that point in time, I had already had, I think two ankle surgeries. I, you know, just like my hamstring, my glutes and hips, like just everything. I had like stress reaction. And so post-college, I, I did take a little bit of time off. Um, I was just hurting so bad. And, um, when I started, honestly, just like four months later, but kind of being like, okay, I want to do something again. Like I don't feel like going to the track and doing like repeat 400s, but what do I want to do? And I I decided, you know, to just go out for a jog and sign up for some 5Ks. And so my distance running journey began then, but I will tell you that was kind of always in my blood. My dad is a marathon runner. He's done Boston 
and qualified for Boston Marathon 15 times. Both my sisters did cross country in high school. Like, so it's kind of like post-college, I finally got to be like, okay, now I'm gonna train for a half marathon. Um, so I think I did my first half marathon like within a year post-college and then yeah, I did a marathon by age 24. It just kind of started with the distance running after that. The ties between body image and nutrition are very complicated, but the biggest thing in my journey and what I try to teach people as well is like that journey with body image actually isn't a direct link to your nutrition. Of course, there might be some overlap. You know, weight does exist and there's ties between weight and nutrition, but it's not everything because there are people that live in larger bodies than I do and eat less food than I do. And there are people who live in smaller bodies than I do and eat more food than I do. There are people that can diet their entire life and, you know, maybe never lose that weight because that's their genetic profile and makeup. And the, another thing that we have to accept as well, which is hard for people to accept, is just that a variety of body shapes and sizes have existed throughout all of time, regardless of nutrition. And our society today just links like weight weight equals nutrition. And that's not necessarily true. That is not inherently true at all. Uh, they can be two totally independent things. And I think when it comes to my journey with body image, that was really important for me personally to finally accept. You know, for years I was controlling my nutrition, you know, eating super healthy with air quotes around it, counting my calories, and yet I still didn't have the body that I thought I wanted. So one of the biggest things was getting away from calorie counting or macro counting um, and leaning into intuitive eating, which people have a love-hate relationship when they hear that term because <laughs> um, it's like this holy grail. It sounds good, but it can feel so hard to implement, especially for an athlete. But it is like, how can you ever get to intuitive eating if you still think that you need to eat 1,800 calories or if you still think that you know, 70 grams of fat is too much or whatever it might be. It's like you have to step away from thinking that there is X amount that is right or correct or perfect for your body. And you have to embrace the fact that the human body is, is this thing going 24 hours a day. It doesn't stop. Your needs today might be different than yesterday and different than tomorrow. And it's this like continuous cycle. You're, you're, caloric needs and macro needs don't reset at the stroke of midnight, you know? And I think we all have that mentality or a lot of us have that mentality of like, I need X amount of calories today based on, you know, Y amount that I burned. And then tomorrow's going to be, you know, we reset that, that number or that metric and like do it all over again. But that's not really how the human body is working. And so as far as like getting out of that mindset that there is a specific number that is right or that I need to follow it and that if I don't, I screwed up or I did wrong. Like getting out of that mindset was just so, so important. And then to lean into intuitive eating, that that is such a process. But I do think relearning, like trusting in, in your body, signals it's sending to you, reevaluating what true hunger feels like, what true fullness feels like, 
leaning into, I think, allowing yourself to kind of like, I'm saying yourself, but I also mean myself because this was my, my journey, right? Like allowing myself to enjoy food. I am somebody who always did enjoy food, but when I, when I did get too caught up in, you know, reaching a certain perfect number of calories or wanting to be a certain weight, then food wasn't as enjoyable because it felt like if I did enjoy something, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I'm doing it wrong. And so that's something I kind of go back to and learning to really enjoy food again, enjoy the taste, enjoy the textures, enjoy the environment, the atmosphere, who I'm eating it with. Those are things that I kind of have gone back to over and over and over again. Eating is more than just nutrition. It's amazing to fuel your body and the power that it can do there, but um, to fuel your life and your soul as well. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So there's a really simple quote, and I actually think it does come from the original intuitive eating book, so I won't take credit for it, but the quote is really simple. It just says, you know, if you're a size eight shoe, are you going to try and force yourself to buy size six and like force your foot to fit into a size six shoe? Like that would be insane. Like you are, you're a size eight, you know, and we don't do that with shoes and yet we try to do that with like the rest of our body with clothes or shirts or just our perception of like you know how wide our hips should be or our stomach how curvy or squishy or flat it should be you know we have these expectations out of it but like we don't have that expectation out of our feet so much and so when when you can start to kind of think about things that way of like my body knows where it needs to be at. And that's, it's scary because it's kind of letting go of control, but, um, just like your foot knows that it's a size eight (laughs) shoe size, that's the size of your foot. Like the rest of your body kind of knows where it would be happy at too. If you just gave it that chance, if you stop trying to cram it into a size extra small shirt or whatever it might be. And I think for me, as far as like, when did I really figure this out? I, I don't know that I had this like glorious moment, like an aha moment because I had some ups and downs. And so it was kind of like every, every lesson learned along the way. And, you know, it's something where in hindsight, I just at my age, I can look back and I can think back to my college age self and be like, Lindsay, why were you concerned so much over five pounds? Like you looked fine. Right. But like in that moment, I felt so uncomfortable. And it wasn't fine for me in that moment. 
And if you are in a place where you're really showing a lot of hatred towards your body, and I was definitely in this place where I just like, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. And therefore that was a time in my life where it was really important. I think not to. And even though you have to wake up every day and put clothes on to honestly say, wear clothes that feel comfortable. Don't look in the mirror. Don't step on the scale, like lean in towards my inner qualities and things that really make me who I am as a person, as a, as a human spirit. So lean into how good of a, a sister I am. Lean into, you know, to doing what you do best as a dietitian, like be a leader, be smart, like be all these other things. So there was definitely a period of time where I just like didn't focus on my body, right? So I kind of like ignored my body for a little bit. And that works because you find out what really matters. I found out like, okay, it's not about my body. My body's just this vessel like my body's not who I am. And this might be a little morbid, but I love sharing. I definitely actually did have an aha moment one time listening to another podcast, but they were talking about death. It's a bit morbid, but like when you die, you are gone from this earth and yet your body is still here, but nobody cares about your body. Nobody, just because your body's here, nobody's like, well, Lindsay's still here. Like, no, like Lindsay's gone. And that was this weird aha moment for me where I was like, that is the perfect example of I am not my body. And yeah, I like, I'm actually remembering now this. I was like out on a, I think it was just a walk, not a run. And I had this huge aha moment. I am not my body. And I disconnected myself from my body. And at that point in time, that was so helpful to me to disconnect myself from my body and say, my body is just this vessel. I'm independent of my body and I just get to experience life through this only body I've been given. You know, I don't get to choose my body. So this is the one that is a vessel. I get to live life in. And I kind of, this, it's, I just kind of took that approach. Like my body's a vessel that worked for a really long time. And then it got to a place though, where if you're so disconnected from your body, you actually might be missing out on the opportunity to feel connected with your body and to love your body. Right. So you can see how, wow, that's really interesting. I'm not my body. Right. But then you're like, wait a second. Like, but I'm living every day with this body. So maybe I should feel connected to it. And then you start the process of, okay, is there anything that I do like about this vessel? And so starting to say in this vessel that I have, that is not me, I actually do like X, Y, and Z. And I think another kind of step in my body image journey that was weird, but important, bear with me as I say this, to spend time like touching your body. Like, Bring your hands to your stomach and get comfortable with the fact that I have squish. I have a bone sticking out. I have softness. I have roughness. And I would do that at nighttime, especially with my stomach um, that I felt insecure about, of just placing my hands on my stomach. And so I do have these vivid memories of me just being like, okay, this is what a stomach feels like. You know, this is, and I just like normalized it. And so giving myself the opportunity to actually enjoy and like and say out loud, I like these parts of this vessel that I live in, and then to connect with it, to touch it, spend time with it. That's where you can go from this place of, I think, more body neutrality to hopefully then body confidence.
So I think one of the biggest misconceptions around intuitive eating is that there's like no structure to it at all. And I don't think that's true. And it's certainly not true for me. I mean, let's go back to like, what is intuitive eating? To be intuitive means it's something in tune with your body. And so over the years, I've learned that my body actually doesn't work well if I skip meals. (laughs) And my body actually doesn't work well if I have ice cream for breakfast either. So I actually do have some structure to my day because that is what intuitively like feels best for my body and how I perform the best, which is what I want, right? And so intuitive eating, my intuitive eating does have some structure in it. I've learned over the years that I absolutely eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. And I always have multiple snacks too. I have learned that I do feel best physically when I have a balance of carbohydrates, proteins, fruits and vegetables, and fats on my plate. But intuitive eating also means like if I'm not craving protein at all, like that's okay. I can have just the pasta and the veggies because maybe I can choose whole wheat pasta that has a little protein in it or you know, broccoli does have some protein in it. And hey, maybe later for snack. I will have a Greek yogurt. Who knows? But like I'll I'll cross that bridge when I get there. But I can I can trust that I do have some structure in my fueling. Like I can eat intuitively and trust in the fact that like just because I'm not craving protein right now, I still might crave protein later and give myself the permission to skip the protein at this meal, but the permission to have protein again later when I am craving it. Um I think when it comes to snacks for me, this is probably where I have the biggest variability and that's probably dependent on my training a lot more. If I'm training a lot, I'm I'm going to have a lot more snacks and probably bigger snacks. And so I give, you know, I have not just what I think I need, but truly what my body is telling me. I am hungrier when I'm training more. So I allow the bigger snacks and the carbohydrates because I truly do need that versus like if I'm not as hungry, it's like okay, a snack can be just an orange. So that's kind of my my journey with intuitive eating. It still has structure to it, but it's it's not structure in the sense of I'm doing this because a diet told me to do it, or I'm doing it because this is you know what I I think I'm supposed to do. It's it's what I've learned over time helps my body the most. You know, I can go to we can pull up research studies about intermittent fasting and the debate about is breakfast really the most important meal of the day? And we can have, we can talk about that, you know, for hours and hours and hours and still not come to a conclusion. But it's like, you know what? In my personal life, breakfast is pretty darn important because when I skip it, I one, don't have a good workout. I two, I'm not thinking clearly at work. I'm three, I'm drained before noon. I'm starving at noon. I'm eating a huge amount at lunch and then I feel kind of weird all afternoon. And it's just like, no, for me, breakfast is a very important meal of the day and I will make that happen. I'm not doing it because a dietitian told me to. I'm doing it because I've learned in my body, I feel better when I eat breakfast. Um, and what's crazy is that when I let it go, when I said I'm not going to keep controlling my food in this specific way and whatever comes in my body comes in my body, I st- I felt uncomfortable. I did gain weight during that time period. I felt uncomfortable, but it it was okay because other positive things came from it. You know, I found that freedom. I found that healthier relationship with food. And I even was able to dive into this journey with intuitive eating a lot more freely, which in the end is what fueled my body the best to be healthy on the inside and then to be proud of my body and have that, you know, acceptance and 
love for my body. I mean, that is when you think about having body love, it it doesn't mean looking a certain way. It means like appreciating and respecting your body and loving and appreciating all that it's done for you. It doesn't have to be about an aesthetic. And so that intuitive eating is truly uh, a process of assessing and reassessing how does this make my body and mind feel? And is this a choice that I want to repeat again in the future? Is this a choice that will lead me to you know, more, more goals in my life or a happier life or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. So I was mentally happier. And then I truly, in eating more intuitively, actually was nourishing my body better where like I wasn't getting injured as often. And when I finally did get off birth control too and just being able to feel what like my natural hormones were doing and kind of match my nutrition a little bit um, to how I was feeling throughout my menstrual cycle, like things just like really clicked to where I was like, I really, like I do wonder in hindsight if in college or high school, if I would have had, or I should say college, um, if I would have had my period, if I wasn't on birth control, because I don't think I was fueling my body well. Like I think like my hormones just weren't doing good at that time. Just had nothing to really, I didn't get blood tests, so I didn't know. But like later on, as I took this intuitive eating approach and this freedom approach, like everything felt better. I felt better physically, I felt better mentally, and therefore my body actually did perform better. I did run better. I mean, I had like one of the best races of my life was in 2019, right before the pandemic. I did this 20 mile trail race and just won it. And I didn't know I could do that. I actually, that was my, at the time, my furthest trail race. I had run a marathon, but I'd never done a long distance trail race. And I won it and it was just like, wow, this is what finally fueling your body well for a few years does for you. And that was after a few years of giving up on that, I need to lose five pounds mentality and giving up on counting calories completely. And so by being uh, more intuitive, I actually was nourishing and fueling better and therefore physically responding better to the things that I wanted to do. So to be 100% transparent, as I went through pregnancy, despite all the work I've done on myself and all that I teach my clients, like I did have a fear in the back of my mind of like, what if I gain too much weight? That, That question absolutely popped in my head throughout pregnancy. And I had to work very hard to say, no, Lindsay, you've worked way too hard to give into that. And just what if you do? Why is that bad? Like, it's not a bad thing. You're growing a baby. And I really worked hard to overcome that and just continue to implement all the lessons I've learned in my personal life with nutrition and fueling intuitively and still enjoying food and not restricting myself. And then after having the baby, it was kind of the same thing of like that pressure of getting back or like, when will I lose this weight or will I look like my old self again? Like, you have, I had those questions pop into my mind again. And I had to work really hard to say, no, Lindsay, you don't think like that anymore. Like shut it down. And I did actually like, I have an okay relationship with the scale, meaning that I don't step on it every day, but I do have a scale in my house and it's not something that I need, but 
I think like throughout pregnancy and postpartum, there were moments where I was like interested, even from a science perspective, I was truly interested in growing a human to see how my body would change and like weight was part of that change. But there was a moment postpartum where I said, whoa, you got to put the scale away because it's affecting you mentally right now because you're starting to get worried that, oh, what if I'm not losing it as fast enough? Or like you're starting to get excited that you are losing weight. And that I knew for me, that was not a good mindset to be in. I shouldn't be excited about weight loss. I should just be excited about feeling good. And so I had to put the scale away. And I made a very intentional effort not to do anything diety at all postpartum. And I also made an intentional effort to make sure that my training was coming from a place of I want to do this and I can do this. So where it wasn't hurting me. And I actually had a long postpartum recovery, like longer than I thought I would at least. Like I was still kind of hurting going out on walks like 12 weeks later. So it took me a while before I was running. Although then when I was running, I was like, wait, this is good. This is fun. This feels good. And so I was able, once I did get back to running, I was able to do it with enjoyment. And I made this intentional effort. I will not diet and I will not force myself to get back into running. And in doing that, I think everything kind of worked out body image wise to to this place where you know I'm still 10 months postpartum I don't know when you're like done with that journey or whatever but like I I definitely feel like now like I I feel good I feel like myself and and I was able to feel like myself without giving in to doing a diet or trying to force myself back to it you know it was just this very natural thing I did have to check myself a time or two Um, And say like, no, Lindsay, we don't think that way anymore. (laughs) Um, But I really – my actions and behaviors really follow through with just do what feels good. And so I'm really like proud to say, wow, 10 months later of doing what feels good, my outcome is that my body feels good. The outcome is that my body feels good. To my mind, what's more important than that? That we feel good, mind and body, and that we appreciate what our bodies can do. And that we get to set what is right for us. That's the one thing that I keep thinking about again and again and again is my perfect body, your perfect body. We get to say what that is. And we get to work with our body to let it tell us what makes it operate best. And I agree with Lindsay, like that can be scary because maybe I've had this idea of how I wanna look and my body's like, yeah, but we don't function that well when we look that way. Or you're just never gonna get there and you're just gonna struggle the rest of your life to try and achieve something that your body wasn't meant to do or look like or be shaped like. So let's let go of those other expectations or or even desires that we have to look a different way than we were born to look. So that, to me, has been just really empowering, re-empowering, and it's something that I really enjoy sitting with. And it's reminded me that whatever nutrition goals I might have, I need to keep focusing on what fuels my body best. And another thing that really resonated with me in here was Lindsay talking about getting back in touch with hunger cues. I know that I spent a lot of my youth telling myself not to be hungry because I wanted to lose weight. 
And I remember that five-pound mantra when I was in my 20s and I was becoming a professional bike racer. And it was on a loop in my head. And I went through those same self-hatred moments and just beating myself up about what I ate and when I ate it. And now that I look back, it just makes me so sad for putting myself through that. And I don't do it anymore. And I do have the occasional donut. And I do have the occasional cupcake. And mostly, I eat really well and fuel my body the way it feels best. Because when I do eat too much sugar, I really don't feel good at all. But for me, and clearly for Lindsay, these aren't just switches that you flip. There's something, at least in my experience, that you have to work on. But I feel like all the effort is really worth it because now that I've gotten to the place where I feel really good about my eating habits and I feel better and better about the skin I'm living in and the way it performs and the fact that I have less pain than I can remember having in my adult years, um, I did overcome a slip disc about a decade ago and that has off and on caused me some lingering problems because I self-healed, I did not have surgery. And I feel really better than ever. I've learned how to manage it. My strength training helps a lot. And I get to keep pushing my body in ways that I find very exciting and satisfying and a ton of fun. But at the end of the day, going back to what Lindsay ended with, my A number one priority is to make sure that I feel good. So I hope there's something in there that also resonated with you. Of course, I would love to hear about it. I'll tell you in a second how you can keep up with us on social media. But first, I do want to say thank you to Lindsay. This is one of those stories that, like, these things are not easy to talk about. And I really appreciate how open she is about her own challenges and the personal details about how she dealt with them. These things aren't always easy to share. It's not for everybody to share them in public but I really, really appreciate that Lindsay shared her story in the way that she did because I know it's really going to resonate with people. I know it resonated with me. So thank you so much, Lindsay, for being open and honest and sharing your story. If you want to keep up with Lindsay, and I suggest that you do, there are many ways that you can do that. You can find her at riseupnutritionrun.com. She's also on Instagram at female.athlete.nutrition, and she has a podcast called Female Athlete Nutrition. So you can find her in all those different ways. I highly suggest that you keep up with her. I just find her approach to nutrition and body image to be, like I said up top, just grounding and healthy. So there you have it. That is Lindsay's story. That is our episode for now. Thank you so much for being here. I say this every single time because it's true. We love making these stories, but the power of them is in you listening. It is also in you sharing. So I'm going to ask, please share the show with somebody who you think might appreciate it. Please subscribe. Please like us where you find us. And please leave a review. We love reviews. I love reviews. I read them all. I get so excited. I make this show in my closet. Cormac makes the music in a home studio. April is in her home office doing all the great graphics. And we love to hear from the outside world. Please drop us a note. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to see a review. We'd love to see you on Instagram. We are at Women's Running Stories. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at Women Run Stories. 
and we're on Facebook. And as you might have guessed, I do not make this show by myself. I've mentioned it a couple of times now, but Cormac O'Regan does all the music and he scores the show. And he does do that from his studio in Cork, Ireland. April Mariner does all of our graphics, the website, the merch, the great Instagram posts, our logo. She does it all. You can find her at bonfirecollaborative.com. And she does that from Truckee, California. And I am Cherie Louise Turner. I am coming to you, yes, from my home closet studio in Somerville, Massachusetts. Welcome to 2023. I hope you had a great end of last year and that you are ready for a fabulous this year. And until next time, I wish you healthy, joyful strides forward. Women's running, running. Running stories. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.